Parent Reform. Reforming the parent, transforming the child. Welcome to the Parent Reform Podcast. Our mission is to inspire, encourage, and equip you to raise your children for the glory of God. You know, I'm not sure that we're going to fully understand all of God's purposes in the design and creation of man and wife, children, family, home. We have some insight that's been shared through Scripture. We understand uh, primarily the importance of the husband and wife relationship as it's a picture of Christ and the church, and that men and women are made in the image of God. We're image bearers of God, and we don't fully understand what that means. It could be speaking to God's creative, expressive nature, that mankind is creative and expressive. It could be the capability of love and giving. Those are representations of God's nature in many other ways. And for the union of a husband and wife when they come together, thinking about Christ and the church and the nature of that relationship, the sweet union that's represented by Christ's sacrificial death on the cross for his bride and As we're in this earth, believers are being perfected, we're being sanctified, we're being made a spotless bride, being prepared one day for union with our groom. So we know all those things, but I I think that there's more that goes beyond that. I think we've seen that a mother and a father who is doing their job well, they're going to experience self-sacrifice and giving. They're going to be compelled to want to love someone else sacrificially and without really any personal gain in many ways. And I think that that teaches us a bit of the love that God has toward us, that He gives us, He provides for us, and those things that He gives us are really even beyond our own understanding. He anticipates what we need, and He gives those to us. Even when He allows us to go through hardships, that's for our good and for His glory. And parents, I think we know that. We see our children, they go through hardships and suffering, and we know that God can use that in their life to teach them patience and endurance to help toughen them up for the life that's to come. When a child falls and skins a knee, we don't feel like that, that that's all bad. For them to experience some level of pain it helps them to grow and mature and to manage suffering because life is full of suffering. So even those small pictures that happens when children play together and get disadvantaged or when they're having a good time and they're sharing things that they own with someone else or sharing toys during playtime, those are learning opportunities for children that will carry them into adulthood. But I think there's other things that, that we learn past just those that maybe part of the picture of parent-to-child relationship is to be a small picture of the relationship that God has toward us as His people. We've mentioned a few of those things, but I think that particularly for the father in a home, the way that he conducts himself communicates a lot to his children. It helps give them a small picture of what God is like, his nature. I can't tell you how many adult Christians that we've spoken to that tell us that some of the deepest challenges that they faced in their adulthood, they think stem from uh, their experiences as children in, in regard to their faith. Some adult Christians struggle with trust of God to see God as truly loving and giving and being able to accept whatever comes from his hand, knowing that he's going to use it for good somehow, they struggle with that. And I think many of those adults that we've spoken to who who share those kind of challenges, 
when you hear about their home life, that from a very young age they were exposed to abuse or neglect, or they were treated as objects, objectification. They were exploited, and many had a lack of a good father figure in their home, that the dad was potentially the one who did the exploitation and abuse, or that the mother was selfish and neglectful. And those kinds of experiences, they don't permanently damage us, but I think they give us baggage that we have to deal with in adulthood, especially when we come to our faith, to to believe the Word of God that tells us that, that God is all good and loving. And if you come from a home where you were exploited or your parents were not apparently loving all the time, that you felt exploited, then we can carry that into the feeling toward God. And even if it isn't that kind of a serious um, set of baggage, it can even be from an experience of parents who were disconnected, who were emotionally disengaged from their children. And I think that that can also spill over into the relationship with God, that we see God as distant and far away, and that we don't see him as present and very near. And that personal relationship with Christ where he loves us, that we cry, Abba, Father, that we see him as someone that we can crawl up into his lap. I think that's carried in that term, Abba, Father, that it's not that we're his subjects in his kingdom only, that we're not uh, bond servants only, but that we're children and dear children. And if you didn't experience dearness as a child in your own parental experience in your years growing up, then I think it's hard to imagine what that would feel like as an adult believer. The point being that all of these things can have an effect on your relationship with God, and they can create barriers and boundaries that will have to be torn down as you grow in grace and knowledge in your Christian walk. Turning that toward parenting, so for you who have children, think about your relationship with your children. Remember that it isn't just in that day and in that moment that you're dealing with a child's crying or their rebellion or even the fun things you're experiencing, like a family vacation or Christmas holiday, whatever it may be, just keep in mind that those things are actually training opportunities for greater truths beyond just that moment. That in those moments that you're able actually to show your children in some small way, almost like a, uh, a little parable or a small story, a metaphor of what their relationship to God could be like one day. If you provide sacrificially to your children, if you love them selflessly, if you provide for them um, and anticipate their needs in a way that's wise, and it's not where you're catering or you're heaping onto their desires, it's the proper kind of parental care that we should do to our children. It's wise and controlled, and, and it's very deliberate. That kind of experience to a child, we should never underestimate how that that can help prepare them for a healthy walk with Christ when they come to faith one day. So those things of trust and mutual respect, of cooperation, of submission to leadership and dependence on God's provision, and teaching a child compliance and trust when they don't fully understand the need or the reason why, those are extremely important. There are many adult Christians who struggle with each one of those. They struggle trusting God. They're very fearful. They they don't seem to have a mutual respect for their relationship with Christ, that they would treat Christ in a way that they would never treat someone face-to-face, where there's a certain treachery or betrayal, where with our lips we say we love him, and we go to church faithfully maybe, and yet behind the scenes we treasure secret sins. That's disrespectful. It's treacherous. Cooperation. 
Scripture tells us that we shouldn't quench the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. That, that speaks to a lack of cooperation. Um, we have a separate agenda from what God has. God is trying to make us perfected to become like Christ in, in the many ways of our life, and yet here we are doing things that are sinful, that are counterproductive. So that's the lack of cooperation. And then submission to leadership. We know that just in general, our society and culture, just it recoils at the thought of, of authority and certainly submission to that authority. So if we can help our children see that, then we prepare them to submit to God's leadership, to submit to church authority, to submit to the Word of God, and for wives to learn proper submission to a husband and marriage relationship. All those things we can model in our home and in our parenting. Next, dependence on God's provision. We live in a society in a time when the, the individual is celebrated and autonomy and independence is highly valued and prized, and yet that's counter to what we're taught in Scripture. We're, we're told to be like little children before God and depend on Him. And we're told that it's like little children that those who enter the kingdom of God, they must be. And when we are independent and when we are self-reliant, then it's hard for us to receive God's provisions and to recognize it comes from His hand. So if we can work that into the lives of our children by demonstration and explanation, we do them a huge favor that one day they'll easily transition that trust from the parent to, to God. And the last point is the, the compliance and trust, the not fully understanding. How many times have I heard believers say, I just don't understand. Why would God allow this in my life? Does he not love me? Could he not see that this would be so hurtful for me? I think that when a child comes from a very loving, protective, trusting home, then those questions are not nearly as daunting when they encounter, as they certainly will, things that are very hard to explain and understand uh, in a very adult world. But whenever they've been taught and shown that as children, that they're able to accept something without always having to have it explained to them. And when children grow up in a home where they are not able to trust the parents and they're always questioning the motives behind whatever those parents are doing because they've seen duplicity and inconsistency so that whenever they become adults they they put god on trial they ask those questions of god they say well god you need to show me why this happened i'm not going to move any further in my walk or my faith until i have someone explain to me this and so they create these artificial barriers that stem from their lack of trusting God and accepting him at face value in his word with what he says, that he tells us in his word what we need to know and doesn't tell us much more. And his perspective in scripture is really God-centered. So he is building a story and an explanation that helps us to draw near to him and to enter into the kingdom of heaven. The scriptures are not written, written to answer all of our individual questions like, how many stars are there in, in, in heaven or the number of grains of sand on the beach or whatever question that we may have. And some that aren't uh, maybe quite so distant as that. Some that would be like, why am I, why was I made with these limitations? Or why do I not have the uh, capabilities and talents that someone else has? Those are more natural. But I think when we accept that God created us in a way that maximizes his glory and his purposes, then that helps us to accept the state that we're in and understanding that we're not walking in the fullness of the experience that we were intended to because of the fall, because of sin. And then one day we know that we will be face to face with him, either to face 
acceptance because of the work that Christ did on the cross or rejection and judgment, that we know that there's a fuller experience that comes on the other side of this life. So bringing it back to parenting, I just want to point out that that there are ways for you to begin instilling these things into your children. And, and you can do so at a very young age. You know, we do both. We can instill some very difficult things into our children, some things that, again, are like baggage. For example, a very young child, uh, maybe even eight months older, six months and older, they can understand whenever there's disunity in a home and there's a lack of harmony or there's hostility between parents or that the parents worry a great deal or fearful. Children are so sensitive. They can pick up on these things. And I think that we, we falsely assume because they cannot communicate to us easily that they don't understand very much. And that is so not true. With our eight children, we have certainly seen that they are very sensitive and they are aware of many things at a particularly young age. And as they've matured and turned into adults, they've shown us, they've explained to us some things that they observed when they were very young that we're surprised that they noticed and picked up on. Be aware of that, both that they can understand things that you'd rather than not understand and see, some of our sinful attributes, but they're also capable of picking up on our godly attributes, those things that are Christ-like in us. They see and they observe and they learn. So there's ways that you can practically show your children dependence on God and compliance and trust by establishing that in your relationship with them. So I want to share with you a very simple way that you can, in a very young age with your child, teach them dependency, trust, compliance. These things that are very abstract concepts that you can teach in a very concrete way. So what is that way? Well, the way is actually in the simple act of hand-holding. It's something that parents do with their children. In all cultures around the world, you see parents holding the hands of their children. But the question that I think I would like to pose is, who is holding whose hand? And you see that scene of parent-child hand-in-hand, who is holding whose hand? What, what do I mean by that? Well, if I'm taking a dog for a walk, I am holding that dog's leash And the dog is not holding the leash for me. It's the other way around. I am towing the dog. The dog may be very well behaved and walking with slack in the leash, or the dog could be straining against the leash and it's stretched tight. But either way, I am tethered to that dog and I am controlling him. And what's the purpose of that? To keep that dog from running away. Well, that's a very different picture than I think what I would want to communicate with my child as I'm holding that child's hand. How many times have I seen a parent and a child walking down the street or in the store, particularly in the store, and that parent is hanging on to that child's hand and that child is pulling away and twisting and writhing, being very difficult and maybe going limp and hanging by the parent's uh, arm All of that can just be exhausting to try to restrain a child that does not want to be restrained or he's bored and wants to leave the store. That can just make that shopping experience miserable. Or we've had this happen, that needing to cross a busy street and a child's very safety is at stake. You need that child to hold your hand and perhaps 
moms, you're holding a baby in one arm and you need your two-year-old or three-year-old to hold your hand for safety's sake as you cross that street. That's a little more important than the standing in the grocery store line trying to keep your child busy or or keep that child from grabbing all the items on the, on the shelf there at the checkout line. And no, this is a case where safety really matters. Or there are other instances where perhaps you're, um, you're hiking, walking on a trail. You're, you're out someplace where the footing is unsure and you really need that child to hold on to your hand. And maybe you're busy steadying yourself. And so having that child wiggle and writhe endangers both of you. So you can see, I hope, that it's important that the child is complying with hand-holding. So how do, you, how do you teach a child this? Let me tell the story from my experience when this occurred to me. Uh, one day we were, I think we were shopping possibly, and with the large number of children that we have, uh, shopping could be pretty daunting, especially if the children are wiggly and busy. And I was in a store, and I was wanting, maybe it was a two-year-old, three-year-old, to hold my hand, and I was holding that child's hand and I was squeezing the child's hand and he was trying to get away. And then it occurred to me, why am I expending so much energy trying to hold the hand of this child? I want this to be his job, not my job. I want the child to be fully responsible for this job of not getting lost. I want this child to hold my hand for his sake, for his safety, whether he fully understands what's at stake or not in this moment. I want this to be his job. And so what I decided was that this child and any other child that I have is going to hold my hand and I am no longer going to wrangle the child by the hand. So I kneeled down and I looked in that child's face and I said, I am done holding your hand. You now are going to hold my hand and I'm going to put my finger out and you're going to hold on to my finger and you will not let go of my finger. And so the child looked a little bit dazed, but even at that young age, that child fully understood what I was saying and what I was asking for. So I stood back up, I put my arm down, I stuck my finger out, and I waited for that child to reach up and grasp my finger. And that child did it. He fully understood what I needed and what the new terms of engagement were. And so the child grasped my finger and we started to walk. Well, we didn't go very far until he was ready to test this to see how serious I was about it. And so he let go. And my first response was to go back and grab his hand and put his hand on my finger and say, hold that finger. But instead, I just stopped and I held my hand down. I didn't even look at the child. I just put my finger there and waited and waited. And that child understood that I wasn't going to move any further until he was hanging onto my finger. And sure enough, he walked forward, reached up and grabbed my finger and we walked again. And again, we walked maybe 15 steps, 20 steps, and he let go again. So we repeated that two or three times until finally that child understood that we were going nowhere in that store unless he was holding on to my finger. And that little eureka moment was so instructional to me. It gave me such insights into child training beyond just hand-holding in the store but that the children are active participants in compliance, that they're choosing to obey, to comply, and to submit. That child, we shifted away from me choosing to hold on to his hand to him choosing to comply with his own safety by holding my finger. And we use that pattern with the rest of our children. And so I want to share with you a little testimonial from one of the former students of one of our classes so this is, uh, this is in the words of the student here, so let me just quote you. 
Here I begin. I want to share one simple thing that has been a huge blessing in our lives. I love holding my kids, but two-year-olds are squirmy, and holding a two-year-old that is full of energy can quickly drain all of mine. Trying to hold on to the hand of a two-year-old that has no interest in holding hands isn't much better. On top of this, once they start to outnumber you, it simply isn't practical to hold them while walking through a parking lot or through a store. During our class, Warren shared his experience with this and how applying what the Bible says about our children, namely that they are to be a blessing, and what he knew they were capable of, led to training their children to hold their hand, not the other way around. Following this small example from the time our kids could walk, we had them holding on to our finger. They know it is their job to hold on until we tell them that it is okay to let go. I cannot count how many times we have been thankful for this advice as we walk through a parking lot, through the mall, or when we simply want to have them stand beside us while we have a conversation. Now, they often spin and dance and jump and skip, and in general are just energetic little toddlers without using up all our energy at the same time. So we were really blessed to hear this, and I've, I've seen this family from time to time, and that is certainly what they do. Their young children hold on to their hands, and it's been a blessing to them. I hope that you will consider this, that this is a small way. If you have a young child that's, uh, that's walking, even when they're older, when you need them to hold on just for safety's sake, you can do that. So let me just give you a few, uh, a few details of this before I'm going to take it to a much broader application. Often it, you're not able to hold your hand out there because maybe you really are busy. You're shopping, uh, you're looking through clothes on a rack, or you're, you're busy with your own two hands. One thing that is helpful is to have your child grasp. Mommies, you can have your child grasp your purse, your bag, to hang on tightly to that, and maybe even to put pressure so that you know they're hanging on and they haven't slipped loose. Um, or you could ask them to hang on to the hem of your jacket, your coat, I would often have uh, one of my children hang on to the edge of my hip pocket on my pants or put a finger through a belt loop because I could feel them pulling that way and knew that they were there without me having to, to busy my hands. But in any case, as this parent that gave that testimonial reported, at the core of this that I am encouraging my children to bless me at that time, then when blessing their parents, the children bless themselves. So a child that's able to self-control by holding a hand, they can repeat that in other applications in their life. It isn't just about holding hands. They begin to understand the small picture that they're choosing compliance and they're choosing willingly to obey and to submit. So let me take this a little bit broader. For children, it's important that they do learn some key attributes of, of existence, the human experience. First, dependency. We are dependent whether we think we are or not. God provides a safe envelope around this planet for us to live in. The air mixture is perfect. We need water. The temperature has to be just right. We need food, and all that food needs all those things as well to survive so that we can consume that food. So there's this cycle that God keeps active and vibrant to sustain life on this planet. We are truly dependent. No one is independent. We want to understand first in our own heart how much that we are dependent on God moment by moment for life and sustenance. And with that dependency, 
that should foster gratitude. So for God's people in our own heart, that we recognize that we're dependent on God for every moment of life. And it's a gift from Him. And He's given us all things to richly be enjoyed. And so as we enjoy the rich gifts from God, though, yeah, there are many hardships in this world and things that are difficult to explain, we are grateful for his supplying abundant care to us. So for our children, we want to demonstrate that in our own heart attitude, but we want to teach them to be dependent too. And I know that just runs so countercultural, but believe me, it's important that we show our children that they are dependent on their parents. I see so many children who who act so independent. They're so willing to just thumb a nose at authority that are over them to just reject it, rebel against it. And those authorities just comply with that rebellion. It just surprises me. Don't let that be the case in your home. Your children are your charge. They are responsible to you and you are the authority. So demonstrate that in your home in one way is through the dependency. Your child is no way capable of living an independent existence outside of your care, especially when they're young. So next, compliance. Authority, again, that we are to be submitted to the authorities in our life. And we, as adults, we know how hard that can be. Very difficult because we live in a society that disdains authority. And so we want to teach our children that authority is given by heaven and is good. And there's such a clear picture of that in the home. Obviously, when a child is born, his very life as an infant depends on mom's care, that that child must comply with mom changing diapers and putting the baby down for sleep. And that doesn't really change until the child hits adulthood, though the amount of dependency and compliance, it it does lessen, of course, as it should. But from a very young age, that child uh, should comply with the authority that's within the home. And they should do so with trust. Trust is another thing that our society struggles with. The millennials especially question, question, question. And those questions aren't necessarily bad, it's good. We don't just take things robotically at face value, but we don't always get the answers so that we can have the full trust. And that's the case with God. We don't fully understand all of his purposes. And if we're going to hitch our trust to understanding everything and have all of our questions answered, then we'll find ourselves never trusting. So faith and trust are coupled together. And in the home, as parents, we can begin to lay a foundation of a positive, optimistic hope and trust so that when children grow into adults as believing adults, they don't struggle as much with trusting God. So we can lay that foundation in their very young childhood. We want them to learn to trust without fully understanding why. Now, we don't want to be secretive if, if necessary, but we don't want children to understand and then obey. We want them to obey, and then later we'll help them understand. We want to show them that, yeah, there is uh, there is an explanation, but the explanation isn't a prerequisite for obedience. You obey, and then the understanding will come potentially later. So with your children, teach them to obey. And then later, if you want to, give them the explanation of why they needed to obey. But to say, child, I need you to hold my hand because, here, let me explain uh, some physics about large cars and mass and velocity and how that a smaller body is going to absorb this energy and this could kill you if the car bumps into you. And they don't, they don't need all that explanation. All they need is to see that your finger's been extended off your hand and they should grasp it and hang on to it and get to the other side of what may be a dangerous zone to, uh, to a place of safety. 
That's all they need. They don't need more than that. And then later, if the child's in the car seat and says, why do I have to hold your hand when we cross the street? Then you can explain in the level of detail that they're interested in or capable of understanding. But it's obedience and compliance, and then later understanding follows. Mutual respect. Let's talk about that. When a child is wiggling and trying to pull away, and since they're disrespecting your authority, they're disrespecting what you need to get done and accomplish in that moment. And especially for moms who are busy taking care of their children, many, many things that they do throughout the day are for the benefit of that child. And for the child to work against it just shows a, a sort of a core lack of respect. We want to teach through this kind of training mutual respect then cooperation that we've spoken earlier about how that we can work against the Holy Spirit in our life by quenching his work through sin. We want to teach our children to cooperate with the authority that's over them. And this hand-holding exercise is a good way to do that. Uh, Again, we've talked about the dependency on God's provisions. It's the same thing here, that we're providing safety for our children. We need them to, to submit to that. And then lastly, the compliance and trust, even when they don't fully understand why or see the need for it. So all of these things are like small uh, little reality plays or little vignettes that show our children what the relationship with God should look like, that we're modeling to them how God loves us selflessly and how he provides for us, but that we in many ways can reject that provision or work against it or frustrate his plans for our life through our own rebellion. So for our children, we can give them a huge help up in their faith by teaching them this from a very young age. So I just want to encourage you to instill these important traits into your children at a young age, and you can do it in many, many small ways that they may not even understand or see. And one of the best ways I can think of is through the training with who is holding whose hand. This little exercise that it's your child's responsibility to hold your hand. It's not your job to pull a child along in tow by pulling their hand. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this podcast helpful as you seek to parent your children well for the glory of God. For more information about Parent Reform, please visit our website at parentreform.com. There you'll find more parenting resources. You can also sign up for our newsletter and Q&A emails. 